morning. We're reading from Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. A man approached Jesus and said, Teacher, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want to enter eternal life, keep the commandments. Well, the man said, Which ones? Then Jesus said, You shouldn't commit murder. You shouldn't commit adultery. You shouldn't steal. You shouldn't give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. The young man replied, I've kept all these. What am I still missing? Jesus said, If you want to be complete, go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away saddened because he had many possessions. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, David. So as I said, this is the last in our sermon series, our worship series titled Gratefulness. We've been thinking about gratefulness as that heartfelt attitude towards God. That attitude towards God because our cups overflow in many of our lives. Gratefulness, as such, causes us to reflect who God is in the world. That image of God in us, God who is generous to us, should be reflected through us as we are generous to the world. Gratefulness also comes not from despondency, not from an an activity that's simply out of duty, but gratefulness also comes from a cheerful heart as we have learned, and that gratefulness should draw out the best in each and every one of us, not just the mediocre, but the best that we have to offer and give. And hopefully as we participate in this, gratefulness also transforms our view of the world. We begin to see the world as God sees the world, not as we are formed and shaped in the culture around us. I have come to realize that it's hard, I think, for us to view the world as God views the world. Our brains, our eyes, our ears, we are simply flooded with images of our culture, and the image of our culture is you don't have enough. You need more. More of this, more of that. And so I think we struggle to hear and respond to God's invitation because we see the world more in our cultural form, not as God sees it. The world, in many ways, has captivated our attention. It has captivated our imaginations and our hearts. Margaret and I went to to Branson early this week. and We spent a couple of days at what's called the Clergy Benefits Academy. And so what we went to was a, a presentation on several different subject matters. We got down there Monday afternoon. It ended on about Wednesday afternoon. And we went through 12 different sessions over that two-day period of time. We, we talked about things like our pension, our additional savings. They talked to us about health and wellness. You know, you should eat right, you should exercise, get enough sleep, all those kinds of things. We talked about estate planning, death and disability. How many of you are signing up for that one anytime soon, right? You just Everybody wants to go to a death and disability. No? Any of you out here want to go to a death and disability 90-minute presentation? No? Uh, We went to one on Social Security, which I thought was interesting because the guy said, you know, we we worry about, we hear in conversation, 
will Social Security you know, still be there when you get to retirement? He said that 80% of Social Security comes through taxes. And how many of you believe that the government's going to stop taxing you anytime soon? Right? Yeah? So Social Security's probably going to be there. The fun one was Medicare. Man, was my head swimming after that one was over. And then the other kind of things that we went through. It was actually quite an overwhelming couple of days. Margaret and I got in the car and got ready to come home. And we both looked at each other and went, wow. You know, that was, that was a lot of information there. Thank goodness we have a little over a decade to try to process through that. It's not coming that quickly. But the good news is, is it looks like eventually we'll be able to retire. Praise God, you know. And you think about, why is that so curious? Why are we curious about those kinds of things? Why do we look for those kinds of things in life? When you think about it in particular, when it comes to like your pension and your investments, we're particularly curious about those kinds of things. Now, we've kind of gone through a transition in the United Methodist Church. They just renamed the General Board of Pensions and Health to West Path, but it's still the same group. And you wonder, how do they do this? How do they manage your investments on your behalf. There's a little bit of curiosity to know how well they are stewarding, how well they are shepherding the money that we invest there. Is it going to the right places for my right life stage? All of those kinds of things. So you're kind of curious about those kinds of things because you have an investment there. It's important because we treasure the ideas that are behind this. We treasure the idea of slowing down someday. We treasure the idea of going from being on call 24 hours a day, six days a week, to being on call when the grandkids need something, right? We treasure these kinds of ideas. We treasure the idea of having more leisure time. That's why these conversations are so important to us. They help us fulfill some of the things that we treasure in our lives. I have a worldview of retirement. I understand what it looks like, that a lot of it is about how comfortable we will be. But I'm also reminded that I should have a worldview as well of what it's going to afford me the opportunity to do with my time, my talent, and my treasure. That I should also have a transformation in my worldview that says I want to continue to incorporate generosity even in retirement. That somehow I am able to participate in what God calls the collection, the giving, the generosity to the widows, the orphans, the poor, whoever whoever those may be in our society. What, What is your worldview? What is it that you personally treasure? One of our speakers early on at the Benefits Academy was one of our district superintendents down in the Ozark area. Her name is is Lynn Dyke. And she actually lifted this up as part of her short homily that she delivered. She made a a distinction between our possessions and our treasures. The things that we possess and the things that we treasure. For her, they were two different kinds of worldviews. She gave examples like this. You may possess a home, but what you treasure is the idea of making a home. You may possess a car, but you treasure the portability that a car gives you, the freedom that it gives you. You may possess an heirloom, but you treasure the opportunity to pass it on to the next generation, hoping that they will value it as much as you have. You may possess a boat, 
But you treasure the idea of selling that boat. You all know that joke, right? Right? The best two days of a boat owner's life, the day you buy a boat and the day you sell the boat, right? And like me, you may possess a retirement account and you treasure the idea of spending more time in the things that you love. What do you possess? What do you treasure? I think it's so easy for us, friends, to get seduced into the world view of just simply falling in love with our possessions. And we lose sight of what we should treasure. That God desires to transform that world view within us so that we might see the world as God does and that it becomes apparent in who we are in the way that we give of ourselves and our time, our talent, and our resources. That when we give of ourselves generously, we store up treasure in heaven. And it's because we have been generous on earth. And this is the conversation that Jesus has with this rich young man, this rich young ruler. The rich young man came to ask Jesus one simple question, and that question was, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? What good thing must I do? Jesus gave him a couple of answers to this. The first was keep the law, right? Jesus said to him and recited to him the basic elements of the law. And it said, do not commit murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, honor your father and your mother, don't bear false witness, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now notice that Jesus did not quote to him the entirety of the law. Right? Not even the entirety of the Ten Commandments did Jesus give to him. He gave him the elements of human interaction, how we interact with one another. Jesus said to him, keep these basic commandments. But Jesus also said to him, sell your possessions and give the proceeds to the poor. Now you think about the rich young man in this conversation... He could relate pretty easily to that first answer. You know, keep the commandments. Don't do anything offensive to anyone around me. Be moral. Live by these godly instructions on how we interact with one another. Because they didn't cost him anything when it came to his possessions. His wealth. He could pretty easily keep those commands. And not have to give anything up. What he struggled with was the what. The why of the command to sell your possessions and give it all to the poor. What he could not conceive of was moving beyond just following commands to actually being generous as a response of love. And that was where he struggled. Because Jesus invited him to sell everything that he had, to risk every possession that he was in love with, that he had pride in, that he adored, that he wanted to protect, to give all of that away, to give it to the poor, to those who were in need, and to come and follow him, to give away his wealth and become impoverished was not something he could conceive of. Because for him, it was about keeping commands versus responding out of love. His worldview was to keep these commands. God's worldview was respond out of love. And so he couldn't imagine that. And he went away from that conversation disappointed. There's an old adage. You probably have heard this old adage. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Right? 
think about that just kind of in this level as well. You think about the more that we have, the harder it may be for us to let go of those things. That the more we focus on the things around us, the harder it may be for us to hear God's invitation to see the world differently. I would say that all of us, almost every single one of us, have more than we absolutely need for basic safety and security, for basic survival. Our cups aren't just full. Our cups are filled to the brim and overflowing in many different ways. Right, friends? But actually, I think what happens is, is for many of us, we can't imagine living with less. All of us. I think all of us can see ourselves climbing the ladder up a little bit further, right? Our culture teaches us that we should have the next best thing, the bigger things. We should be continually ascending the ladder, going up. Most all of us can't imagine doing with a little bit less in our lives and intentionally trying to do that. Why? Maybe it's because we're like the rich young ruler. We love our possessions. I think our culture is built upon one simple premise. I would use the word envy. That we are taught to envy everyone around us. What they have, what their lifestyle looks like. And as such, for many of us, we become over-consumers and we have too many things. We can't imagine viewing ourselves, resisting that, and actually doing with less. If you haven't heard the, the recent scuttlebutt around the church, then you probably need to get some friends who are better at gossiping. Did you get that? So just to let you know, uh, Margaret and I are going through a transition in our lives. We're, we're going to be moving a little bit closer to St. Teresa's Academy here in a couple of weeks. We bought a house finally and, and are going to now go and, and set up our home. We bought a smaller house than what we currently live in, so that has made us, or forced us into an intentional exercise. And that intentional exercise has caused several visits to places like the Disabled Veterans and City Union Mission and Goodwill and places like that, right? Because for us, what we have discovered over our last couple of moves is is we have moved a lot of stuff around that we have not used in years. Some of our stuff we haven't used in decades, dear friends, right? And yet we still box it up and we still move it from point A to point B and we still keep it and things like that. So we we just decided we were going to go through every closet, every book box and ask ourselves, have we used this recently? Does it serve a purpose in our house? And is it something that we could really just give away to somebody else to use? To think about the journey to do with a little bit less. Now, do not get me wrong, dear friends. I do not want to sow any false ideas. We have not sold all of our possessions and given it all to the poor. Right? We have not done that yet. We still have our possessions. We still have ample possessions. But I think we have decided that we want to slowly begin to learn to do with a few less things in our life. To let God work in us and transform our worldview away from the things that we possess to the treasures that we have in mind. And to begin that journey. I think that's a journey invitation for all of us. 
a journey invitation towards simplicity, a little bit further down the scale maybe, as we move from treasures, move away from possessions and into what we treasure. I think in that opportunity we see the world as God sees the world. Gratefulness fills our heart. Generosity bursts forth. And we move from people who simply follow repetitive commands to people who respond in love. Because true gratefulness, in my mind, transforms our worldview, transforms our understanding of our possessions, and moves us into the realm of treasures. Ultimately, I think that's what God desires for us, to see the world as God sees the world, to be reminded that God is the creator of all things, that God is the owner of of all things. We are the recipients of this good creation. We are the stewards of what God has given to us in our lives. And as such, we are granted the freedom to do with it as we please. But God hopes that we respond in love to His invitation. That we be a people who bless those around us. And especially the widow, the orphan, and the poor. That God wants us to give freely of our time, our talent, and our resources. Let me translate that for you. Many of you have met our grandsons before. You, you've met Skylar and DJ, right? You know them. Let's, let's imagine just for a moment that Margaret and I take them over to Betty Ray's. You all know where Betty Ray's is? It's a new little uh, ice cream shop that's right over here in the Waldo area. It's a pretty cool little spot. You go in, you pluck out a cup, you fill it with all kinds of ice cream, and then you go and you find your toppings and you heap your toppings on it, right? And so Margaret and I take the two grandsons over there and we let them get the biggest cup that they want. And they fill it up with ice cream. They put on their favorite toppings, right? The two of them grab cups, but Margaret and I don't. We go to the register... And you know that they weigh the ice cream there, right? They don't charge you by the cup. They weigh it by the pound. So you put it on the scale, and they charge you, and Grandpa pulls out his wallet, and Grandpa pays the bill. And then all four of us pick up spoons, and we go sit down. The two boys, as you can imagine, like any two kids their age, dive in. They start eating their ice cream, right? But a few minutes later... Margaret and I reach across the table and we grab their ice cream so that we might have a part of it. What do you think the reply is going to be in that moment? Stop! It is mine, right? Let me ask you a question, technical question. Who pulled their wallet out at the register? Grandpa, right? Technically, who owns the ice cream? Grandpa, right? But see, what I want for my grandchildren is not a following of a command, give me your ice cream. I want them to push the ice cream across the table and say, here's some. Would you like me to share with you? Would you like to have some of my ice cream? Because that's a response built in love. It's the same for every single one of us. God has given almost all of us ice cream, whatever you want to call it, right? Some of us in small portions, some of us in really big portions. But God wants us to push it across the table and say, Here, Lord, here is some for you. Because I've been transformed. Not as a command, 
but I do so as an act of love. I think that's what God desires from all of us, dear friends. To see the world as God sees the world, to respond to God as an act of love, as an act of gratefulness, and to give back to God because we have been generously blessed. To give of our time, our talent, our treasures. So when it comes to your possessions, do they control you or do you control them? Has your worldview, is it being transformed by God away from the things that you possess to the things that you treasure? Do you hear God's invitation today to give freely of your time, your talent, your resources? Do you know what it means to store up treasures in heaven? As you go away from this moment, I hope that you'll take an opportunity to think about, maybe talk about these things. To be reminded that we all have possessions. Sometimes they become so much that they cloud our view of who God is and what God desires from us. And that today God is inviting inviting all of us to start that journey, that journey kind of downward so that we can be a people who are formed, transformed, to see the world as God sees it. To be a people who lovingly and generously give back to the God who has given us so much. Because God desires for us to live in gratefulness, to treasure that the most in our lives. So what is your worldview, dear friends? What is your worldview? Are you centered primarily in trying to maintain the things that you have to get maybe a little bit more in your life? Or are you being transformed? Do you hear God's invitation to maybe start that journey towards less and through that to see how God is inviting you to respond to the world? What fills your heart? Does God's greatest desire fill your heart? The desire for you to be grateful, to respond in generosity, to give of your time, your talent, and your resources as a demonstration of your love, as a demonstration of your gratefulness. Because gratefulness, dear friends, as I said early on, shows the world who God is. It comes from a cheerful heart. It draws the very best out of every single one of us because we see the world as God sees the world. Gratefulness. As a closing to the sermon this morning, here's my invitation to each and every one of you. This week you should have received uh, the annual letter that you get from the church and a commitment card that is enclosed in it. What we're going to do is we're going to do a responsive moment. I'm going to invite you to come forward. For those of you who have your commitment cards with you, I'm going to invite you to come forward, place them in the basket. Maybe take a moment to stop at the prayer rail and take an opportunity to pray over what you are committing today. For those of you who don't have a commitment card, I know our ushers have a few extras. You can slip your hand up. Jamie will give you a commitment card if you'd like to fill one out now. Or if you would simply like to take a moment to pray and then respond this week or or over the next couple of weeks, you can also do that. But the invitation is for all of us to come. The invitation is for all of us to commit to God that gratefulness might be the true element of our lives and that we respond in love and gratefulness today. So will you come? Somebody out the front, if you want to come and lead, you're more than welcome. Will you come?
want to invite you to join me now in a moment of prayer. Gracious and holy God, we thank you for all that you have given to us. For the many blessings that are in our lives. And for this opportunity to come now and to commit to you for the next year. To think about what it means for us to be grateful and responsive to that gratefulness. To know that you will use these gifts to further your work, not only in our local community, but in the world beyond. That we are truly a people who share with all the world your good news. The gospel that is of hope and peace. The gospel that is of love. We pray, O God, that you might use us and these gifts to do that very thing. That it might bring healing not only to our community, but to the nation that we might experience your transforming power in all things. We ask this through Christ our Lord.